This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. federal government handed down its 2022-23 budget this week with some big ticket items designed to win your vote at the upcoming election. In this Squiz Shortcut, we take a look at the health of the economy as we recover from the pandemic, the sweeteners in the budget and the politics of it all as we sprint to the ballot box. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. A budget in March, Claire, it's an unusual occurrence. Usually the federal budget is delivered in the first couple of weeks of May when the government has more economic data from the current financial year on its hands. But these are not usual times. They are not. And that's because in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll officially be in an election campaign. The election has to be held by the 21st of May and the campaign has to be held for at least 33 days. So this budget was necessary for the Morrison government to deliver now so that it can point to how it's going to fund its election promises. Before we get into all of that, just a quick reminder of what a budget covers. In short, it's exactly what we should probably all be doing at a personal level. Yeah, if you're really organised, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Essentially, it's the annual financial stock take from the government. It looks at how much money it has coming in from us, the taxpayers, uh, and how much money it has to allocate to things like welfare, health, education, defence, infrastructure, the list goes on. And a bit more than that as well. It's also the government of the day's chance to set out its policy priorities each year, or in the Morrison government's case this year, it's their chance to lay out their vision for the next term in government. Yep, my mum always said that having a budget is fine, but you're not going to stick to it unless you know exactly what it's for. So, you know, things that you're trying to achieve in life, what you're Mm -hmm. aiming for. So in that vein, this budget sets out how Team Morrison will go about making its policy priorities happen. And we're able to see that for a full term in government, not just the next financial year, because the budget also forecasts the state of the economy over what they call the forward estimates. That's fancy talk for the next four years. Yeah, that's right. And that includes predictions of how fast the economy will grow, the unemployment rate and how much tax and other revenue will be collected, which of course is important when you're trying to figure out how to pay for all those promises. The budget is a whole thing in Canberra. It's usually the biggest thing to happen in the parliamentary calendar, except, of course, years like this one when there's a federal election. So as we get ready to vote, let's get our arms around where Australia's economy is at and where the government thinks it's going. Okay, Claire, I've got my stats stack hat on. There's a few (laughs) numbers about to come at us. 
Just to start at the beginning of this story, it's been a huge few years as far as managing the economy is concerned. Yeah, far out. It's just been really epic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pre-pandemic, we were heading towards a budget surplus for the first time since 2007. But like much of the world, instead, we suffered the biggest economic shock since the Great Depression. Uh, That came, of course, because of the pandemic. Uh, The government's response was to spend and to spend big. The final budget outcome of this financial year, which includes the period when many parts of Australia were locked down thanks to that Delta wave and also the Omicron shutdowns over Christmas, that's going to be released later this year. But the last check-in showed that the government, or aka taxpayers, had stumped up $314 billion in direct economic support as a result of COVID-19. To put that in perspective, that's about two and a half times the amount the federal government spends on health in a year. That's why Australia's debt has increased significantly and why we're running significant deficits as well. Yep, debt and deficit. They're words that are thrown around in the conversation a lot at the moment. Uh, Debt is money owed and a deficit is when spending exceeds revenue. And on that front, Australia is doing better than expected. Uh, The budget deficit is expected to be $78 billion next financial year. That's down from an expected $99 billion. Uh, And net government debt is set to rise to $714.9 billion. That's down from the predicted $835 billion. So our federal finances have actually improved quite a lot. And Treasurer Josh Frydenberg says our economic recovery is well and truly on track. The thing behind our bounce out of lockdowns and COVID has been a surge in employment. Yeah, Frydenberg says that there's 2 million more Australians in work than when the coalition came into power in 2013. That means more of us are paying income tax. Uh, It also means that the economic wheels are turning faster and that's good for businesses and individuals uh, and also for governments collecting tax from our economic activity. There's also some added bonuses for the government that it can't really take credit for. For example, commodity prices have been high. Things like mineral resources have been getting good prices and the government gets a take on that too. That's all delivered a significant improvement in our national finances. Yeah, and of the $114.6 billion in extra revenue uh, and savings over four years that have appeared since December, this budget spends $30.4 billion of it, so 27%. Okay, so some quick maths. What happens with the other 73%? Yep, I think you sound about right on that. Uh, (laughs) So that will go towards paying off our debt. Uh, Or maybe there's another pandemic or maybe there's a huge war. Mm. Uh, Four years is a really long time to look ahead. But the plan is that it will help retire debt. Got you. Okay. One of the things the government announced as big ticket items in this budget was cost of living relief. That's become necessary, the government thinks, because of price rises for consumers. That's thanks to COVID supply chain issues and the price of petrol as well has gone through the roof due to the war in Ukraine. 
And it's something that Team Morrison was keen to address pre-election. The headline grabber from this budget is $8.6 billion in a cost of living package. That slashes fuel excise by 22 cents a litre for six months. That will see the driver of an average car doing average kilometres a week save about $10 a week. Uh, the other big ticket items in that package, uh, it gives 10 million low and middle income earners a one-off bonus tax rebate of $420 and it also hands $250 checks to 6 million pensioners and welfare recipients. The Nationals also secured up to $34 billion for the regions in return for their support for net zero emissions by 2050. Yep, everyone was wondering what the price of the national support was mm. and now we have the figure. Uh, that will go to a range of things like building dams, building regional economic hubs, improving infrastructure like telco, uh, the list goes on. There's money too for defence, for cybersecurity, jobs, training. Lots of critics are saying there's not enough in there for climate change, for education and for women's issues. What's undeniable, though, is it's a budget built for an election. So let's get into the politics of it all next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. So we've just spent the last few minutes talking about the coalition's budget, but the truth is it might never actually see the light of day. That's because the election will be held before the next financial year starts. And the polling says that Prime Minister Scott Morrison and co are going to find it hard to hang on to government. That is true, and that's the big asterisk on this budget. It's if the coalition wins. Now, there are some measures that the Labor Party says that they will endorse immediately, like that cost-of-living package. Uh, they say that those things are important to do as soon as possible, so they'll support it. Uh, but there are many other measures in that budget that are up in the air if the government changes hands. Labor leader Anthony Albanese will deliver his budget in reply address on the Thursday after the budget is delivered. He says it won't be Labor's alternative budget. It will be a critique of the government's approach and a sketching out of their broad priorities. It's the election campaign when we'll see more of what Labor's vision for the country is uh, and equally importantly, how they're going to pay for it. Uh, as for what Labor thinks of the government's approach, Treasury spokesman Jim Chalmers has said that he thinks that, and this is the quote, a pretty desperate political ploy when the country needs a plan for the future. 
another criticism floating around is that pumping all the money into the economy could be inflationary. Yeah, and there's some irony in that because, of course, the government is giving Australians financial support to help them with price hikes. But when they spend that money, it could be putting pressure on prices uh, and they could rise. So what Team Morrison says is that they've got the balance right uh, because they say the measures are temporary, targeted and responsible. Still, there are concerns and some analysts are warning that pumping up the economy with all that spending risks higher inflation and that would lead to interest rate increases coming sooner and faster than expected. And the Commonwealth Bank is one of those. Its economists suggest that interest rates could soon be 1.25%. That's compared to 0.1% today. Inflation is going to be a tricky thing for the government to manage, no matter whether it's the coalition or Labor in power. Uh, And a lot of the factors contributing to it are out of their hands. For example, that war in Ukraine, Mm. which sent oil prices up and the price of petrol followed. The government doesn't have a crystal ball, but it forecasts inflation to fall from 4.25% this year to 3% next year and under 2.5% for the two years after that. Wages growth is going to have a hard time keeping up with that. That's right. So the equation to working out if workers are better off uh, is whether wages growth is above inflation. Uh, And the budget assumes that wages growth will hit 3.25% next year, uh, but with a lot of one-off bonuses, not actual sustained pay rises. And then it'll be one percentage point higher than inflation for the year after. This is, of course, a really important thing because it's about how people feel about whether they're better off. As you say, both major parties are facing that reality of inflation and how they respond to it will be a big part of the election campaign. And that's your shortcut to the 2022 pre-election budget. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we give a recommendation on some further reading, listening and watching. For me, social media is a huge part of political communications these days. And I've got a link to how Labor and the Liberals pitched their budget approach. I'm not going to commentate. They're just there for you to watch and critique. It's very disciplined of you, Larissa. (laughs) Uh, For me, I'm going to plug us. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the election is called, we're going to be releasing regular podcast episodes about what it all means. It's going to be called Squiz the Election. Uh, It'll be in the Squiz Today show, so make sure you subscribe to that to catch that. Uh, And we're also launching a new newsletter. It's going to be called Politics Today. I'm really excited about it. Uh, It will be available from Monday the 4th of April. It's free. Uh, It's all the news in politics each weekday morning and it'll be agenda free, just like how the Squiz does it. Uh, So go and sign up. We are super excited about the launch of Politics Today. You can go and sign up at politicstoday.com.au. I will put that link in your episode notes as well. Thanks for listening in. If you like what you heard, please do tell people about the Squiz Shortcuts podcast. And as always, if you have any requests, send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next time. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way 
we grow. Thanks in advance.